1: Welcome to the first episode of Series 20, everyone. This series, we finally get to sit down with both Grant Howitt and Chris Taylor, two-thirds of Rowan Rook and Deckard, to discuss their latest game, Heart. But before we get to that, let's get on with our announcements. First up we are currently in the middle of a review drive and contest. We have one a Katacon badge or one t-shirt from our store that we will give out to one of the individuals that have left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We're currently sitting at 42 five-star reviews, and if we can get to 50 by the next Character Evolution Cast episode, we will commission a new t-shirt design of the Ghost Shanks to go characters we created from our inspectors episode and offer that design as a reward instead if you don't want or can't use the acatacon badge. If we do hit 75 reviews, then we'll add something extra special to the winner, which we'll reveal once we hit the 50 review mark. Remember, these reviews help people find the show easier and allow us to grow. We currently only have one review left in the wains ready to read, but we will get to that once Amelia and I can sit down to record the next cold open together. Thank you again to everyone who's already left us reviews. They truly do warm our hearts whenever we get to read them. I don't have any further things to announce as of right now. So let's go ahead and get on with the show. Enjoy. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we discuss and create characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan, and this episode, my co-host Amelia and I are thrilled to welcome Grant Howitt and Chris Taylor, Designers of Heart, a body horror dungeon crawl from Rowan, Rook, and Deckard, which will be kickstarting this month.
0: Welcome, kind of back, also just in general, to Character Creation Cast. We are really excited that you're here.
2: Oh, hello. hello. Hello, yeah, it's pretty good. I actually, I'm actually on this time, it's quite nice. I know,
0: I'm so excited.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not catastrophically ill at the inopportune moments. <laughs> so
3: you get you get the uh the, the uh, what i believe is the correct grant experience which is when i'm being perpetually undermined by chris yes which, well and also which, which it's I not need like to be. two in the morning yeah <laughs> crucial yeah that was that it, it placed some challenges on my body mm-hmm. the last recording but yeah we are we are it's it's what is it four, t- 20 plus it's it's four twenty <laughs> that's the <laughs> that's, that's the weed time but we're we're stone cold sober there you go so all
1: right well Let's uh, let's start by introducing both of you to our audience. Uh, Chris, can you tell us a bit more about yourself and any other projects that you are currently involved in?
2: Uh, I'm Chris. I'm now a full-time game designer, and all my projects are Heart or Spire-related generally. Um, I work with Grant on pretty much all the games we do. Mm-hmm.
0: And what about you, Grant? What do you have going on?
3: Um, I'm currently, so uh, again, Spire and Heart, those, those are the two big things that we're working on, but I, uh, I put out one, one page role playing game a month. Uh, Chris is more, is generally in more of an advisory capacity and I'll come up and go, Chris, it doesn't work. <laughs> and then Chris and Chris will be like, oh, this number should be five rather than four. And then it works. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so at, the, at present, I just finished writing a game called The Witch House, um, which is kind of a prequel to The Witch is Dead, in which you play fluffy little animals who are who are like familiars to a witch. In The Witch House, Ooh. you are half human, half animal, and you're, and you're losing your humanity, and you have to try and kill the witch to escape.
2: It is brutally sad. It's really
3: horrible. It's, like it's almost impossible to win. It's hard time. Wow. Yeah. It's 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 not sexy battle wizards, so I'll give you that. No. <laughs>
1: it's the
3: opposite of that. <laughs> but it goes comedy horror, comedy horror. That's how we have to that's how we have to run our um, one page games. I mean you, you need a
1: balance, right? Yeah. I mean pushing it blue. It all averages
2: out. Yeah. We just kind of do what we want. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, pretty much all
1: day.
0: <laughs> I mean, you're not
1: wrong. <laughs> Nuts.
2: That's awesome.
0: No one can stop you. <laughs>
1: All right, well, let's go ahead and get into this. Uh We will start by discussing what this game is all about. What's in a game? So let's start with the obvious. Uh We covered Spire last fall. Heart takes place in that same world far below Spire and uses the resistance system, Uh the mechanics for Spire. So what makes
2: Heart a distinct game from Spire? So... <laughs> We we had a lot of thinking in the early days of doing Heart as to whether it would just be like maybe a an addition to Spire or what it could be. And then we looked at it and went, no, we need to completely overhaul the resistance system to try to get what we wanted out of it.
3: We were we were clear that we were going to use a resistance system, I think. like yeah. There was kind of a mark of pride in that, saying like, can we use this to tell different stories?
2: Like how far to- could we flex this system? Yeah, we wanted to mess around with it. Um, and so that came up, we came up with the idea for, for Heart, which is uh, like the radical opposite of Spire. Spire is like a revolutionary game about societal change. And this is more introspective and going down rather than up in, in, in mm. game terms. Mm. Um, and it's, it's very different to Spire, but keeps a couple of the same sort of notes from that game. Yeah. Cool.
0: So what sort of things, we always ask this question, do you need to play this game?
2: books dice people and a pen
3: yes you need um, you need a, a your standard set of polyhedrals so yeah. d4 through to oh you don't need a d20 you can leave that one at home thank you very much swap that everything else. d10 yeah because you'll, you'll need a few d10s uh, it runs uh, we have a we, we use slightly more dice than we did in spire so we, we've we got the d4s and the d12s are correct to play a uh, pencil and paper and I think crucially a willingness to have horrible things happen to your character and enjoy that
2: yeah you really need to get on so, board with that, otherwise it's going to be a yeah, problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially,
3: especially like like if the GM decides to go at it hard, there's mm-hmm. uh, there's the, it, it can get catastrophic very quickly, and that's fun. You know that that, that can be good, mm-hmm. but you have to be ready for that.
0: Yeah, I think you killed half of our table when we played at Gen Con. Yeah,
3: fully half. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean you killed yourselves. Okay, I did I stayed alive. But <laughs> that's
3: true, yeah. I you did know, you great. Just, yeah. You, you, I, think, I think you're the only person to survive with all your limbs on. And you that's, got a third eye.
2: Oh, well, that's, um, that's, that's making money. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah, I mean, in a game where everyone was losing fingers and teeth, I did all right.
2: <laughs> yeah, extra right. eye. Pure bonus. Brilliant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, So what kind of stories and themes is this game meant to explore?
3: So primarily, it's exploring the effects of the unknown on frail human bodies. We were heavily inspired by Annihilation, and we're inspired by House of Leaves, and uh, you're sort of, your what's his name? Junji Ito, I think? The guy who does those horrible mangas then nasty. Uh, yeah really gross but that that sort of like t- taking something which is familiar and stretching it uh, and like and like right, re- one of the most impressive things about uh, annihilation for me certainly was the way that it made new things out of uh, out of rebuilding and hacking parts uh, so like there's a, there's a uh, deer with flowers growing out of their antlers. And that's a pretty basic thing. But taking that and like remixing and recombining ideas so it becomes unsettling and wonderful and beautiful. But what was the point? Of, what was the question again? I started talking about deers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, what stories and themes did you Oh yeah, yeah. in this game? Yeah,
3: so themes are change, I think. Uh, mm. The fact that, so uh, while inspire you are actively pushing for change. In Heart, there is, you're trying not to uh you're trying to you're trying to stabilize the world around you you're trying not to have your body change you're trying not to um lose too much of yourself and your essential humanity uh as you descend into a place which is desires anathema to humanity, th- you're not you're not supposed to go there. And how and and resisting that change and there's some there's some colonial stuff there as well and talking about like what effect does it have on the colonizers and the colonized and with sort of there's this fantasy ideal of a place which cannot be colonized. And uh like trying to colonize the heart is fundamentally
2: flawed. And, and we just, get to the well, thing of the the land is actively fighting back against you. Hmm. Like it's not just you going down into the depths and something fighting you back. It's it's invading you, like both mm. your mind, your body. It's, it's giving you power because it's, it, it's kind of this weird benevolent God in a way. Like it, it's trying to help. It's trying to create a reality you might comprehend, but it doesn't understand. It doesn't we, get it.
3: We have three canonical explanations for what the heart is, and they are all correct.
2: Yes. That's well. something we try to do throughout all the books is we, we go like, there is no single truth. Like you cannot be wrong in any part of the setting. So we Mm. always try and provide more random solutions to problems that people can pick as the one they like. Mm. Um, And one of them is that the the heart is sentient and just wants to really help. It wants to make a nice place where everyone can live. But unfortunately, it, it mainly understands the concept of teeth and intestines it's got yeah. it's got meat it's got teeth it's
3: got stone and it's going to make a beautiful world out of those one room at a time oh no. <laughs> and it just wants the best for you it just has to change you so you can work properly yeah and, there's, and like there's lots of different ways which you can run the heart um which you can run the the intelligence of the place itself and you'll tell slightly different stories but primarily it's about uh exploration and understanding the self and understanding um the world around you
2: and like kind of accepting that transience and mm. maybe trying to, like, pick something that's yours and really look after it, whether that be, like, your sanity or even a location in the game, you can kind of go, you know what, actually, the people here are good, despite being a bit iffy. They they are ultimately good people. I want to keep this. I need to, I need to protect this mm. um, from change and let them change at their own pace rather than be forced to change. Mm. Very cool.
0: This is a new game, obviously, but I want to talk a little bit about, um, kind of where this idea came from and, um, you know, like any big revelations that you've maybe had while playtesting it. How did this start?
3: It was Chris's idea. It was. So every 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 four months we have a we have a meeting. Uh the uh the the three mysterious figureheads behind Rowan, Rook, and Deckard, which is me, Chris, and uh, Mary Hamilton. So not that mysterious, I guess. No. We get together Fairly and public. we plot out I've met out all of you, going, you're what, real people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're genuinely real. Uh we get together and we plot out what we're gonna do over the next four months, what our what our goals are, like how how we're gonna get ahead of a business. And and so like we were we were floundering around trying to write uh trying to write effectively a sequel to spy which wasn't quite taking and chris was like oh what if we did osr and i said like, oh yeah we could do osr we could do a sort of dunder and crawl idea in the in the uh in the resistance system but how would we sell it and then chris had the best idea ever which was
2: i don't know which idea you're referencing now i've had oh, just- many good ideas <laughs> <laughs> every idea i have is pure gold i need you to narrow this down
3: yeah, my, my apologies, Senso. Uh, it was it was your idea to just set it under Spire.
2: Yeah, so setting it under Spire lets us have essentially free reign that we can mess with. Because Spire is such a, uh, bizarre is perhaps the wrong word, but a, a mutable setting and a crazy setting. Like there's all sorts of different interacting factions and all sorts of stuff. We can drag that down and push it into in, into a dungeon crawler. And we can look at a story game version of OSR because I, I personally really like OSR games. However, I'm not going to play any of them. They're, they're difficult, right? Like, I want, a nice, <laughs> yeah. I want a nice relaxing game. I don't want to oh, look at tables at any works. point. And so there, are, there are games that do that really well, sure. But we wanted to take the kind of um, story first abilities from Spire, the ability that goes, you know what, actually, I already know this place. I've, I've done a cool thing here before. Uh, I'm creating this part of story and put that into a dungeon crawler rather than like, you've got 30 feet of movement. You're like, cool. Okay. I've been down this massive spiral staircase before I know what's at the bottom. Mm. Um, and it let us really mess with the kind of basic OSR formula of you turn left. There are now two doors. Which do you go through? One is trapped, that sort of stuff. <laughs>
3: Uh, I think that setting it in the heart and like exploring what the heart is, like the quite early on we, kept, we, we came onto onto the idea that the heart is intelligent and will try and build a perfect world for you. It just gets it wrong. Mm-hmm. or it'll try and give you what you want as you go into it, which is the role of a GM. And mm. so we get to like we get to stay within the established fiction of the world, but you can have these really weird coincidences and stuff, which are obvious story beats. But that's just the heart doing it. So it gave us quite a lot of freedom. It gives GMs quite a lot of freedom as well to just to to be quite blunt and brisk with storytelling.
2: Like for instance, there's there's one um, place in in heart that we've detailed called High Rise, and High Rise is a place that has what we've called blanks, which are. Something the heart has made to replicate drow because it doesn't understand them yet. it just has the memories of people who have been into the heart to sort of work off of, so it's created how they look, and it's gone, okay, you've go through daily lives so it's it's using like machine learning to just let these drow go through their daily lives so it can experience it and then try and improve it in certain ways, like maybe they maybe they flourish with everything on fire. Oh. No, nope. oh, well, try, try that no, one again. <laughs> Reset the simulation, as it were, and then let it run again. Um, and you can run the entire game as though, essentially, the the heart itself is a crazed AI. Mm. Yeah. Trying to make a perfect utopia, but really going about it from like, right, what is oxygen? Do they need it? <laughs> Optional yes, no? Yes. Yes. Um, from that base level, or you can have it as this weird, malevolent thing that's trying to persecute you for any given number of reasons. Mm. Um, and it let us have a bigger playground to mess about with, honestly. Mm.
0: How much had you defined like what the heart was before you started doing this game? Because Slightly I know that it was much. like a little bit inspire, but not a lot, right?
3: We yeah, the- expressly had
2: the heart not mapped.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Chris was really super clear on that. Yeah. At <laughs> no point did I ever want the heart map to aspire because it was this kind of threat, like this alien concept. And you could just drop it into any game as the big bad if you really wanted to. Mm. Or instead sort of like in some games you're like, well, it was magic. Magic happened. Like, well, it was heart. The yeah. heart did it. Sure. Um and it, it, yeah, it was about that freedom of it. It was really good. So yeah. then was
0: it tough to like change that for this to kind of take some of that away?
2: Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna
3: say for the first four months of production, Chris and I had different ideas of what the heart
2: was—like radically different—and we hadn't yes. actually communicated properly <laughs> about what it was. And we were just—we were writing based yeah. on two entirely different paradigms of what the heart was. Oh,
3: I thought it was a giant endless city, and Chris thought it was a big cave with some buildings in. Yeah, and, and we so have since now it's both. Smudged those together yeah because and Chris's, we've got that Chris's of, bits have more
2: caves yeah my bits have more caves <laughs> um, because because it's so reality warping you know what sure the answer yeah. is yes mm-hmm. if the answer, if you think of something the answer is yep yep it has it sure
3: part of the frustrations we've had with Spire is we are not hard sci-fi writers we are not hard no. fantasy writers we are we do not like having to show our working or do any research that sort of they just just sort of like mush ideas together and go 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 don't look at them too hard they'll fall over and people will say oh but how tall is spire well, i don't i don't know why does
0: it matter <laughs> Seven? how tall do you Seven? want it to be it's as tall
3: yeah. as it is it's as tall as you need it to be plus 10 percent. whatever that's fine but people like like oh actually i've done the maths and no shut up you can't you No, know, it's bad and so heart they can't do the maths anymore we've like removed all <laughs> the bits it, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah Get, put we this one on your calculator.
2: Completely like we've got, stymied that entirely. We've got,
3: but we've got extra skies under there. We've got seas. We've got trees that grow with no um, sunlight. We've like, we just because because we got we've got this, this sort of loose primordial soup of reality, just making whatever it was. We can put whatever we want down there, and so can you, and so can your players. And that's that's uh, it's quite free. But I think we've had to certainly, we've had to explore a little bit about what there is and what there isn't. Because there's, cause yeah. like there's, there's certainly uh, like we'll be writing something and we'll be saying is this spire, this isn't this isn't heart, is it? This is spire. Like the very first, um, it's Chris was chatting about high rise. I did this full breakdown of high rise uh, as one of the first things we wrote for the book. Uh, and it's about three, three, four pages long and it, it detailed the cult and it deta- uh, There's a, there's, a, there's a suicide cult there and the blanks as Chris mentioned earlier and the buildings and so, so I sent it over to Chris. He was like, this is great. It's a spire setting. This is, this is just Spire, what you've written here. There's far too many people. There's far too, there's far too much. This needs to be weirder. And so we cut it back and we left more up to the GM. And it's more, it's, I think it's, one of the benefits we've had is understanding that no two hearts are the same. Oh. Uh. like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's nice. So
0: Which well, so like, is something um, we
2: learned from Spire. Like everybody described every district in Spire completely differently. Mm-hmm. And we were so happy with that that we wanted to promote it more and give you more tools to mess about with. Like what we do is essentially we write, we write the first third of everything in great detail and then just kind of let the tracks of that railroad buckle outwards. And you're on your (laughs) own, (laughs) you know, it's it's your minecart right now, knock yourself out. Um, So we give you the prompts and we give you enough structure to let you just run with whatever weird stuff comes into your head.
3: We give you a blank map. And the map has slots on. And it's like, put the things you like and that your players will like in here. And that's what heart looks like for you. And maybe if you come back down in six months, it'll look different. But there's no sort of, this is canonically what's here and what's there. It's all smudged up together. Uh, also, because it's quite hard to map three-dimensional space, we found out. Yeah, really hard. <laughs> yeah. We don't like
0: it's really expensive to like, put that in the books. You like, <laughs>
2: it need a lot pop-up. of pop-up. Yeah. yeah. lot well, the holograms. <laughs> I, would, God, buy that, Spire, I would
0: buy a pop-up book of Spire, though. <laughs> you and everyone
2: else would buy a pop-up book of Spire. You open <laughs> it and the mile of tower shoots right out of it. <laughs> But
0: then we'd just know exactly gross. how tall it was. So,
2: <laughs> Although, I'll put in a
1: knot to scale at the bottom. Augmented <laughs> oh, reality is making a huge hit on, like, where you can put a uh, cell phone on a picture, and oh. through the cell phone,
2: the oh, picture yeah. transforms into something... You know, completely different and three dimensional and everything. Mm. And that be great if you just put like a postage stamp-sized QR code down your table, and you look at it through your phone, and then track the phone up like miles and miles of city until it starts breaking <laughs> cloud. <laughs> like, well, there you go. You wanted a picture of it,
3: or, d- or just just like just say you're very close, and it just fills the entire screen.
2: <laughs> yeah, there you Stop go. It's that just thing. a wall. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's, it's a very big wall. Frustrum calling, mate. There you go. Even e- even easier. Put yourself inside the spot. <laughs>
0: single room oh no you've teleported inside the wall
3: oh no (laughs) (laughs) 5.99
1: please (laughs) awesome so uh before we get into character creation um there are probably some basic terms and concepts that we need to know uh before we get in there um and we've got listed stress fallout domains and callings um can you tell us a bit about any of those? Let's take, let's take these in turn. Okay, uh,
3: I'll go first. Sure. So stress is theoretical damage. <laughs> stress is, stress is, uh, stress is uh, damage, uh, misfortune, bad luck, uh, mind messing, uh, none of which has a mechanical effect on your character. Think of it like um, stamina rather than wounds. Uh, no. to copy from a different game of ours, which you haven't read. Uh, but but stress, uh, stress has no mechanical impact on your character. However, the more of it you accrue, the more likely you are to get fallout, which is...
2: So fallout is, the, is turning the potential of stress into a concrete problem that you now have to face. Good. So it'll, in, if you take enough blood stress and you get blood fallout, it could break your leg. Um, if you get enough fortune fallout, so your luck has run out, you can get lost... Um, echo, which is your kind of effect on the heart and the heart's effect on you, like that internal struggle, it can start mutating you. It can start changing the way that you see, but like, when I say change the way you see, I mean, literally how you see changes. see through your Yeah. Um, and you can, you can have fallout that means, oh, cool. A load of weird people have started following you around because of your great deeds. You've accidentally started a cult. Like it happens <laughs> to me all the time. Yeah, it's it's too common. One of my um, favorite
3: things about Fallout is the way that it it's kind of like reverse advances. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: In that in that you're in inverted commas rewarding people for playing well by going and getting into trouble, and we wanted all the Fallout to be like, oh cool, oh my arm came off, rather than <laughs> oh I'm minus five five foot speed and no one cares. And like about everything's
2: that. on the same level with Fallout, as it were. So a broken leg and a cult have similar game weight they affect different mm. things but it's not like i oh, got a cult that whatever we can brush that off now this broken leg i've got a problem with mm. both of them are designed to be as difficult to deal with as the other mm. so there's a, so, so there's social societal um, occult insanity physical all of these different fallouts that are treated the same way as losing hit points and your character coming near to death and mm. some of them give you almost minor bonuses most yeah. of them don't
0: I like the idea, though, that they are related to the bad thing that happened, because I feel like that's that's a thing that always annoys me in games is just like you are minus four, whatever. And it's like it doesn't matter why I failed or how I failed, Mm. that it's just generic bad thing happens. And that's really frustrating to me narratively. So I really like that it's related to what happens and how it happens. And it just like feels more like consistent or in Mm. line with what's happening.
2: Sure. And that's, that's one of the nice things. One of the things I, I most like about it is that it's not on a random table. It's not like no. a hit location chart. It's, you choose whatever narratively makes sense at the time. Um, like if you've just essentially suffered blood fallout in quotation marks, but also it was from an icky monster who's like spat a load of gunk at you. Well, maybe we could turn that into an echo fallout. Like it's you, suggested that you do blood because of X reasons or whatever, but you can change it. Nobody's yeah, going to stop it's, you.
3: It's entirely between the player and the GM.
2: Yeah, and it, the whole the, everything from like character creation through to hit points is built up as essentially a dialogue. Everybody has a say, including the player, in how their player get in how their character gets hurt. Yeah,
3: because it's because it's what people want to happen to them. Amelia, you seem to be a, a strong proponent of this, and that you, <laughs> you actively love it when things go wrong for your character in the in, in a good way.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah. fun. And it's fun might, to see what happens.
3: Mm-hmm. We might as well reward people for doing it. We might as well encourage them by giving them effectively cool things mm-hmm. that happen when they go wrong.
0: Well, and I think it encourages people even who aren't actively interested in that, people who mm. don't necessarily want to fail, because I've played with those kinds of people before. But I think it encourages them, too, to try and see what happens. If it is something like cool or interesting or you know, like related to what's happening, it feels a lot more gratifying than just like... Mm bad.
3: It's a mm-hmm. bit like in Dungeons and Dragons, there's uh, chapter seven, I think is the spell, is the spell chapter. And you only get access to that chapter if you play one of the spell casting classes. And our Fallout chapter is as cool and you only get access to it if you make stupid mistakes. Mm-hmm. So, you have to go and play fast and harder, and you'll find the fun bits of the book. And the thing <laughs> that is, we've, we
2: found people find it kind of addicting in a weird way. Like, they'll be like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. That's dangerous. And then one of their friends starts, just to use the example again, accidentally starts a cult. And, like, mm. how do I get me some of these fallouts? I want, I want, I want, I want, a cult. I, want I want some of these. These are the business. <laughs> it's like, well, you My make My friend a stu- has a
0: cult. I want a cult. Yeah.
2: Well, you start making stupid decisions and play risky. Okay. Yeah. I mean, do what I want. Yes, yes, do that. Go
3: stick your legs in that radioactive containment cylinder made of teeth, and then maybe you'll get a cult. <laughs>
0: Look, I mean, <laughs> my Cults thing is everyone. like it, it's always been like if you put that thing in front of me, I'm gonna go touch it.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, why, why, not why else? That? Why
0: else did you put it in the game if mm-hmm. you didn't want me to touch it?
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Exactly that.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I might as well have stayed home.
3: <laughs> Next up, we've got domains. So domains are uh, kind of a woolly concept, I suppose, but so that we have skills and domains as the two halves of uh, expertises we have in our game. Uh, So skills are things like uh, kill, hunt, uh, evade, mend, basic verbs which you do to try and achieve something. And domains are more areas of expertise or physical locations in the Mm heart. So occult is a domain, and uh, warren is a domain. Inspire, they were all different parts of the city or different organizations. Here they blur the lines a little bit more between what you, between, uh, what you know and where you are. But they they bring with them this sort of penumbra of I have the occult domain. Therefore, I, therefore, when I'm in an occult area, I get to, I get to have some stage time. I get to roll more dice. I get to be more proficient. And so it's more, they're more of a story concern saying when do you want your character to be, to be good rather than precisely what do you know and what don't you know?
2: Yeah, and I mean, as with a lot of rules in our games, they're arguable. Like because mm. Grant, Grant mentioned that skill, that kind of penumbra, they're designed to be fairly woolly. Mm. Like what I one thing I really like in games is going is is characters going. Well, I don't have electrical repair, but I do have some background as a bomb disposal expert. Yeah.
0: Can
2: they I, both like, have wires. They both got wires in. Can I do that? I'm like, yeah, sure, you can do that. That sounds great. Like, because if it goes wrong, then we know why, and it's a better story. Yeah. So we create these things with like the domains are areas within the heart, sure, but they also reply to things from those areas, or themed or tonally from that that style. So occult is is one of the fairly wide ones, admittedly, because everything's a bit occult in a way. Mm. Um, but you can, you can apply things to different areas and get something out of it hmm. and essentially argue with your GM for coolness, which is always fun. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um,
2: and the last one is callings, which is a fairly huge thing, honestly. Hmm. Um, so in Spire, we had something called durances, which was a background, essentially like a very short background that gave you a couple little bonuses to certain things you were trained in, perhaps unwillingly, perhaps you really went into it with gusto, whatever. Uh, The calling is, in in heart, is why you're down in the heart. What's your reason for being in this stupid, deathly place? Um, and we've got things like adventure. You know what? You are just one of those adventuring nutjobs who wants, who's got a sense of ennui and wants to throw themselves into the maw of whatever's going. But then there's things like enlightenment, um, penitence. You've you've committed a crime and you've had to flee down here and you're trying to make up for that wrong. Um uh, you could be forced down here, like people somebody's got blackmail on you and wants you to to go down here and get something for them. And they all contain something called beats, which are little story seeds that you complete to to advance your character. Um and they're they're a bigger part of character creation than they were uh in Spire. Mm. Very cool.
0: Yeah, I thought they were super neat.
3: It's pretty. It's pretty fun. Like the way that in Spy you advance your character by changing the city, and that really worked for the for the game that Spy was doing because it was very broad. It was quite a wide game, and because this is much more focused, this is basically a bottle episode that lasts for for the whole campaign. In that you're trapped in the heart, as it were. You're trapped together, and so saying, all right, when you do this scene, when you achieve this thing, you get to you get to advance, and some of those are take take major blood fall out. So you'll find people pushing themselves into really stupid situations so they can get hurt, so they can level up. And, all right, cool, then the game happened. You know what was trying. <laughs> or busy. even,
2: like, one of, one of my personal favourites is you, you, you meet and deal with an NPC who hates you. Mm. Like, we're not talking a combat thing. This is a social thing. This person just despises you. And with good reason. Yeah. And it's really nice to see a player go, oh, oh, that NPC, can that be the person that hates me? Yes, it can. <laughs> Yes, yes, it can. definitely can. <laughs> um, and it's it's so much fun having people just throw like scenes at you as a GM. Like, "Oh, we we've got a quiet bit here. Can this be the bit where I fall down a terrible dark hole?" Well, yeah. sure. <laughs> it's your birthday.
0: <laughs> I'll allow it. Yeah. Are there any other terms or anything that you think people might need to know before we jump into actually building our characters?
3: Mastery is a term which will come up. Yes. Oh yes. Mastery means you roll an extra D ten when you do the thing. That's all. <laughs> so simple. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> um, well
0: put. You
3: roll an extra D10, but uh we need but you can only you need, there's a cap on mastery and there isn't a cap on the word D ten. That's fair.
2: But aside from that, no. <laughs> no, we okay. should be fine. We we can we can go
3: through. Thankfully it's you a know?
2: fairly simple character creation system. The, yeah, problem quick is cho- too. the problem is choice rather than anything else.
0: Yeah, I'm real bad at choices.
2: Yeah, so. I get it myself. The option paralysis really sinks in.
0: Yeah. All
2: right.
1: Well, are we ready to make some people?
2: We can make, Let's make some people. Let's make some people.
1: Let's make some people. All right. So, what's the first thing that we need to do
2: to create a character
1: in this game? Good question.
2: <laughs> I actually wrote this out today just to oh, well. make sure that I had exactly what you need to do. Um, <laughs> we put we put it in. It's in the playtest, um, and it'll be a lot a lot clearer in the the final version. Um, but the first thing you need to do is essentially kind of pick a vague concept for what you want to do. Um, like, do you want to be somebody who throws about weird? Well, I say throws about this isn't fireball, but who interacts with weird magics. Do you want to be slightly more mundane in a difficult world? That sort of stuff. Once you've kind of got that idea, the next thing to do is to pick uh, a race. Um, And races have absolutely no mechanical benefits at all in this game. Um, There's a couple of people, of NPCs, who might look at you a bit differently if they came from Spire, which was a very segregated game. Um, But down here, everybody's in hell. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Who's going to be mean to you because you're a null in this world when the literal chairs are trying to eat you? Mm. Um, so you've got humans who are kind of gnomes. Like, they're enterprising, they're archaeologists, they're inventors. Tech-focused, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've got Drow, who we saw a lot of inspire um, and are honestly the most common down yeah, here because it's their, their city. they people. Yeah. Like, they are the default. Yes, they are, they are definitely the default. Uh, you've got the Elphir, who previously were unplayable in Spire because they were awful oppressors. Mm. And we don't want people playing awful oppressors. Um, but down here, most of them are as bad off as everybody else. Mm. They're, they're, they're not part of the society which they've been ourselves from. Yeah, like a lot of them are unmasked, which if you've seen Spire as just like the biggest social transgression ever. Um, and you can play as gnolls who are mm. lovely wolf boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, Big dog boys. Yep. Um, and it's, it's kind of nice to know what sort of culture you're coming from. Like The playtest document doesn't have anything on this because it's not mechanical, so we skipped it, honestly. yeah, mm-hmm. um, we, we needed to cut to the, the quick of what we were testing, um, but the full book will have a bit more of this. Mm. Um, so, for instance, if you're picking a gnoll, they're, they're very good at things like demonology. They've got, their, they've got their claws in many weird types of magics. Um, yeah. But if in doubt, the easiest thing to do is just assume drow. Mm-hmm. Sla-
3: slap a French name on it, change a couple of letters, Bob's your uncle. Yeah. So um, the next thing you do, I think, is you pick your class and then your calling, Chris? Either way around, you want to do it. Yeah, either way around. Uh, so what I'd recommend you do is take a look through the, uh, through the callings. In fact, yeah, take a look through the callings first, to the first in the, first in the document. So we've got this adventure, there's enlightenment, there's forced, there's penitent, and there's heart song. Yeah. Um, all of those, aside from heart song, make sense just from the word. Uh, heart song is when you sleep, you dream of the heart, so you get to be that weird sort of. Oh, I've heard, I've heard whisperings in the under city. There, there, are eyes that look upon us from below. You get to do all all, all that if you want to, uh, and be rewarded for being weird and being part of the city. Um, take a look through those, see what beats there are, see what you're excited about doing, and then take a look at the classes. Should should we, should we run through the classes in turn, Chris? Because at a, a moment there's uh, there's six. Uh, yeah. There'll be more of the final game. but um, well, yeah, we'll go through in terms. So The first up is the heretic. Heretic is a uh, very religious absurdly religious person who's been exiled from the city above uh, or like their great great grandparents were and they're still sort of bitter about it Uh, but they worship the moon beneath which is uh, you'll play Bloodborne?
2: Nope. That would have been really easy. Well,
3: don't worry. (laughs) For for anybody (laughs) listening. Hang on, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. It's a completely original idea that (laughs) we came up with ourselves. We're smarter than them. And it's
0: super cool because that's what I played. (laughs) We
3: we didn't just nick it from Bloodborne. Uh, um, One of the cool things I really like about Bloodborne, um, the the PS4 game, is that it's about humans coming up against Cthulhu style massive intelligences and then everything going wrong for them. Like their bodies and minds warping and changing. And so we just put that into a class
2: called the Heretic. Yeah, just let players Uh, embrace it rather than it be a problem.
3: Yeah, Uh, so like their their most iconic ability is Communion, uh, which you just, you open a tiny little uh, channel to the goddess in your mind, and then everyone who can hear you speak in tongues takes damage,
2: that sort of thing. Including your party, I feel I should stress there.
3: They can plug their ears with wax. That's their problem. Yeah. the next next up, we've got the Hound. Chris, tell us about the Hounds.
2: So when the heart was kind of first discovered, the Alfear sent down an enormous military unit to kind of essentially go, well, more land, hooray, we'll take it for the Spire. Um, that got messed up real quick. Um, and the Hounds are the splintered factions that kind of came from that original unit getting destroyed. And they've placed themselves as watchmen of the of the heart. So they've they're an informal police force. Yeah. I feel like I should say there is no single book of rules or laws here. And, and one way you can become a hound is to kill a man who's got a badge, take the badge and then pretend to be a hound. That's You're perfectly legitimate. Yes.
3: yes, you are a perfectly perfectly um, communal hound. Well
0: I feel like if you defeat somebody in combat you assume their position. Well, is that just how works. that works?
3: Yeah. That's why I got
1: this job.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and so they, they enforce what they consider the laws. Um, the problem is that none of them agree. Yeah. So they just enforce whatever they feel is just and right, which, as you can imagine, is a sliding scale.
3: Yeah. Very, very heavily um, inspired by Vimes from uh, from Discworld, and every film Ray Winston has been in.
2: Yep. If you imagine uh, he's a, Ray oh, Winston yeah. in a World War I trench fighter... Do you right. know who Ray Winston is, Americans?
3: Is I am not, not the a person pre- to what? ask
0: about anything.
3: Okay. Uh, <laughs> Ray Winston, he's like, he's like a chestnut crossed with a testicle. <laughs> and he talks like this. He's no nonsense.
2: Imagine a square London gangster
3: from <laughs>
0: films.
2: That's Ray Winston. Yeah.
0: And then put him in a World War I trench.
2: A World War yes. I trench and give him a badge. <laughs> Now, transport that trench to hell. And that's the stuff.
0: (laughs)
3: Really really basic ideas. Yeah, just like whatever. Uh, The next class we've got is the Junk Mage. Oh, the Junk Mage. The Junk Mage, um, honestly, I think it's both of our favorite is isn't it?
2: Not quite.
3: Not quite. Um, We we wanted to have a wizard class. We wanted to try and work out what they were doing. We had them as hackers for a while. But what we've got now is the Junk Mage is someone who is basically siphoning power off. From something far more powerful than they are. Yeah. So, like a warlock, except they're breaking in. Yeah. Uh, like they, they are, they're like they've got they've got the the hose pipe up and they're they're, they're sucking gas out of a, <laughs> out of a, a, a Demolich's brain. Yeah, uh, uh, it's,
2: it's it's a warlock with a patron who hates them,
3: <laughs> and yeah. they
2: are chemically addicted to the power that they can get from that patron, which yeah. is fun. Um, so we
3: we got to then we we, we got to invent all this huge larger than life imagery around all the supernatural patrons, and then just sort of put it somewhere where the players can't go, except mm-hmm. if you play a junk mage, then you can sort of plug your mind into it. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Uh, at present, we've got rules for um, basically earth, uh, fire, and water, but we've dressed it up with some fancy words. Don't tell anyone.
2: <laughs> it's not You're like giving
0: it. away all the secrets here.
2: <laughs> knights, Chris. So yeah, the Vermician knights are. Uh, Probably the best way of explaining them is tanks Mm -hmm. in the, in the classical, like, trinity of role-playing games, like fighter, tank, healer, Uh, but also literal tanks. Like the military style. Mm. Um, they are the defenders and explorers of a cursed train network that caused the whole heart problem in the beginning. Um, it's a, it's a spire plot line essentially where they built, uh, tried to build a mass transit network and thought, well, we'll plug it into this un- otherworldly reality to, to give it some power <laughs> because we're terribly bright. Um, and it went horribly wrong, as you can imagine. And the Mission knights are the, uh, the, uh, the armed forces of those people so they wear reclaimed armor built from old train carriages like they can wield a train door as their only weapon Um, and they can jack into like this uh transit network they can shortcut distances they can um etherically charge their armor so that it's massively conductive so that when somebody hits them it feels like a train's hit them um they're an odd class and they are genuinely a joy to see people play because what we've done is we've given one class the ability to run headlong into danger and live yeah and explode but they survive um and it's it's hilarious watching them like pinball their way through different hell (laughs) dimensions (laughs) seeing what trouble they can get into
3: fifth class we've got is the witch uh, the witch is uh, an evolution of the blood witch from Spire. So we've taken the idea of people who were infected, basically with magic, uh, which lets them control blood and control space and time, and then put them in their element. So we want to talk a little bit more about about culture and about how people react to uh, to wise people, to people with to people who understand things in an environment where understanding can be seen as a threat. Uh, so they're kind of half fae, half nobility, uh, half witch. Uh, and they can pull gallons of blood out your nose if they don't like you.
2: <laughs> and frequently do.
3: And frequently do. And then the final class we've got, which were, which was not in the playtest, but we're was was still working on, is the incarnadine.
2: Yeah. So in Spire, we had the Azurites, uh, who had a god of, of greed and plenty and wealth. Um, and there's actually a, a flip side of that coin, which is the god, the god incarn, who is the god of debt. Um, and these, the Incarnadine has gotten themselves into so much karmic debt from buying and selling everything from, like, let's say weapons to people's memories. Mm. Um, the Incarn has essentially claimed them as their own. Um, and you can do a lot of very strange, uh, bartering systems in the game to, like, go, well, I could take this damage or you could take this damage for me and I'll owe you a quit.
0: Are these the ones that have like a bomb in their head? Yes. Yes. And then, yes, this is what Dylan played. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) It's very good.
2: Yes, they, 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 a lot of them have essentially dead man switches. So when deals go bad, uh, which essentially uh, detonates them. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It can become a problem. It's fun. This is is a very happy game.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, like, great. Yeah. You know,
3: you know, it is, it is, it's deliberately fairly grim, and players can make their own jokes. And there's always the grim to come back to. Mm-hmm. Pe- people are going to make jokes. People are going to want to release that tension. And there's there's the absurdity about about what's going on. Like it's so unpleasant. Why on earth are we doing this? And <laughs> like one of the great things about body horror is it's pretty much always unpleasant. Mm-hmm. So you can, just, you can just sort of, like, you can, you can keep going back to that well after everyone's making jokes, and you just go, oh, cool, a, a, a rose made out of bone blossoms from one of your eyes, and restore your tone.
2: And, like, a lot of nice. that is the, the it's so absurd. Mm. Like, in a lot of cases, it's just bonkers what's going on.
3: And- in, in, in the game that we were playing with Amelia, um, someone's arm grew legs and ran off.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you objective. turned into like a giant spider thing, and then one of his legs fell off. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It ran away from him. <laughs>
2: But, like, you can use that to break that awful tension of everything is dire, this is a nightmare. And then Mm -hmm. one of your arms scuttles off. You're like, well, (laughs) there's literally no way I can't laugh at that. (laughs) That's ridiculous. I'm
0: not even mad. Yeah, like, that's
2: that's funny. And then you can come back to the – make it as gritty and dark as you want. Or you can probably shift the lever towards levity. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, I think we had we had a casino thing that was like you were paying in your memories, and it was it was dark, but then also like it was really fun because also you could pay with teeth,
3: and that yes. was just fun. <laughs> yeah. And you you were basically the overworked middle management and janitorial staff. Oh yeah, of, <laughs> of an infinite casino.
0: Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you for joining us for Part 1 of this Character Creation series. We'll be back in Part 2, picking up right where we left off.
1: Character Creation Cast is a production of the One Shot Podcast Network and can be found online at www.charactercreationcast.com. Head to the website to get more information on our hosts, this show, and even our press kit. Character Creation Cast can also be found on Twitter at creationcast.
0: I gotta read some show blurbs
1: show blurbs
0: show blurbs show blurbs show blurbs
1: character creation cast is hosted by the one shot podcast network if you enjoyed our show visit one where you will find other great shows like modifier
0: Modifier is an interview show hosted by Megan Dornbrock, all about why and how people change games. From the hobbyist to the professional, from house rules to publication, we all have in mind a better way to play. What's yours? Design Doc started as a podcast about designing a role-playing game. Over the years, it's turned into so much more. It's a show about the challenges of burnout, making money from creative projects, and what goes into bringing a game to life. Come along with Hannah and Evan in a living documentation of the game design process. One review described it as the audio equivalent of taking a hike with a good friend. You can search for Design Doc on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.